It's Shade at Black Girls Texting. I know y'all see my text. You better answer me back. I'm Chels Pinky, also known as the washing machine queen. I'm classically trained. Me, 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 me. It's Glenn at Bedside Brat. Wow, you did us. Goodbye. Give yourself a round of applause for making it out. <laughs> Thank you. Um, in case you didn't know, we are Black Girls Texting. We host a weekly podcast. It comes out every Wednesday on Everywhere There's Podcasts. Um, but we also love doing these live shows once a month. Uh, we love Dumbo House, so we do it here. And today we're super excited. So Glenn's going to do our intro. Yeah. So again, my name is Glenn. Chelsea, we have a third member, um, but she's on the West Coast, and she's dying because she wanted to be here with you so yeah, badly. Oh, my so God, the FOMO. text. She's blowing us up. So we're here, of course, with Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, the editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. Uh, Peoples-Wagner rose to acclaim in, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> in August Thank 2018. You, I said it. Yes. Um, with her piece, Everywhere and Nowhere, what it's really like to be black and work in fashion which was a collection of testimonials from over 100 black professionals and public figures across the fashion industry. Throughout her own career, which has included work at titles such as Style.com, Beauty in the Dirt, and Oh, the Oprah Magazine, she has consistently covered topics of fashion and beauty through the lens of social justice, race, and size inclusivity. Mm -hmm. Peoples Wagner joined Teen Vogue as editor-in-chief in October 2018 from her previous role at The Cut replacing Philip Picardi at the helm of the publication, and she has bolstered the publication in its existing vision of astutely covering politics, social issues, and inclusive sexual health advice alongside popular culture, fashion, and beauty. Girl, that's a bio. <laughs> Woo! Wow. We're so happy you're here. Thank you. And she just Thank hopped off the jumbo me. jet from Paris and I came did. to be here with us. I'm a little jet lagged, so <laughs> forgive me, guys. But we're going to do this. Yes, Thank we are. You. All right, so... We are Black Girls Texting. Um, we like to explore the sanctity of the group chat. Mm -hmm. uh, our, our theory is that, you know, in the past, people like to associate the conversations, the raw, honest conversations happening between black women as happening in the hair salon, which they still do, but on the daily, they're happening in our group chats. So okay. we want to know a little bit about your group chats and your texting. Yeah. So do you have a group chat? Many, too many, yes. Wait, it's what too are many the to keep lines? up with now. Um, well, because I'm still, um, first of all, I've never changed my phone number, so that's probably part of the problem. Um, I've literally had the same phone number since I was 15. Um, same. Wow. <laughs> um, so I'm still really good friends uh, with the girls that I grew up with in high school, um, and so we have a group chat, um, and they just, like, make fun of me all day, which is nice. Um, and then... Um, from I have like a college friends kind of group chat um, and then like different just different ones from like people that kind of know each other in the industry that have mm -hmm. become you know circles and PR people like a lot of random ones like too honestly too many yeah <laughs> who can you share like one of your like industry group chats like who is in that group chat um what's one that somebody wouldn't mind that I say um <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, there's, I'm in a lot of different black girls in fashion ones. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, like, when I was just overseas, they were, they were like, who's here that's black? 
Tevin, who's <laughs> here. Because <laughs> um, we try to do, like, I try to do some type of dinner in New York or Milan or Paris or something, like, when we're all, like, at shows and just kind of need to vent and talk to each other. So, yeah. Yeah, it seems like the industry, like, still has a very small group of black people. Yeah, I mean... I can count on one hand how many black people are front row at shows besides mm -hmm. me. And I think that um, that's one of the stark things. You, when you get, when you go to shows, I think when you're here in New York, obviously shows um, are pretty diverse and that's like the beauty of New York and I love that. But as soon as I go to London, Milan and Paris, it's like, oh, there's only five of us right. here. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely different. Yeah. What's your favorite emoji or GIF? Oh, I use the heart GIF a lot. Oh, so you're loving. Yeah, I, I try Wait, to you're be. you're a Libra, right? Am I loving Asia? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're a Libra. I am. That's why. I am. I love Libras. Yeah. I am. What's Everybody tells me it's a good thing, but I don't, I'm, I don't follow astrology. Sorry, guys. Oh, you don't? No. You're not on the co-star mm -hmm. and all of that? Really? That's mm -hmm. so like, I, I, th I feel like I know millennials, it's millennials, everybody's just, No, it's just yeah. not my thing. And I, I kind of feel personally, I felt like when people get into astrology, sometimes they kind of like, portray something that they feel like is going to happen before mm. it happens. And Glenn, I you heard like that? <laughs> no, I mean, if it's your thing, I'm not mad about it. I just, I feel like I don't want to read something every day and be like, oh, this is how my day is going to go. Like, yeah. I don't want to. Yeah, I mean, I find a way to fit everything into what they say my horoscope says. <laughs> it said I was going to meet new people. Yeah, like I yeah. Said hi to I them. went it's outside. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's a slippery slope. Um, have you ever left a group chat? Oh, yeah. Ooh, girl. Yeah. Why? Because I'm not for the shits. I'll leave. I, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you which one, but I just did leave one. Yes, yeah. Oh. That is the boldest. I just love it. I've done it, too. It's the best. And yeah, it says, it's fine. Such and such has left. That's right, it's like a, yeah. an exit. Mm -hmm. A slam door. It is like a slam door. <laughs> um, so we also have another segment, and it's called On Red or Reply. Okay. So basically how it works is if you're here for something, you reply. Okay. If you're not here for it, you leave it on red. Okay. So the first thing is my favorite, the athleisure trend. Mm. On red, I mean, mm. yeah. You're not here for it? In what way? Can you specify? Like Sorry, sneaker heads, uh, track pants. I mean, I'm here for it. I think for me personally, it's not my vibe, but like, other people, yeah. It's just not my thing, though. Okay, so it's on, on red for you. Yes. What about supporting brands who have made cultural errors? Like Gucci and Prada. This is, a hard, you can't, this is a hard one, though. You can't either. You can't do either. Because I feel like there's some brands that like I would never forgive, but then there are some brands that I'm willing to have the conversation with because I don't think that... I think that there's room for growth, and I think that if we want to move somewhere, that we kind of have to have the conversation. Right. Like, I would never have the conversation with Dolce, but because mm. I just think that they're inherently racist and homophobic and transphobic and just terrible people. But would I have the conversation with other brands? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So wait, on better reply, cancel culture. Oh, that's a good oh. one. I mean... That's also not an e that's also yeah. a middle ground for me because I think that um, even with our readers, I'm always very much trying to get people to understand that like I I'm all for being outspoken. I'm all for you know speaking your truth, but I also don't want people to be so quick to cancel people. I do believe in forgiveness um, for the right people, and I don't want 
I don't ever want to be too quick to judge and think that I'm so perfect and that I've never done anything wrong that I would that I have that that power to kind of cancel someone. Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm terrified of like my old MySpace coming up and Yeah, I mean, some people yes, are just <laughs> ignorant and like stupid, but I do think that you have to think a little bit bigger about some things. Yeah, mm -hmm. it depends. Yeah. Agreed. There's nuance. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What about plus-size mannequins? Oh, yeah, reply. Reply. Yeah. Yeah. Easy I feel reply. like these are Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to reply to plus-size mannequins, right? <laughs> Okay, or else I was going to say you can leave. <laughs> um, what about non-POCs laying their edges? I mean, that's, we're not even going to start on the m amount of complaints that I have about this. Like, on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confused about this one because it is like a, like a, like a style. You, like, you know, like a enhancement. Yeah, but it's a style, like, it is, like, like, fashion trends or music that are created from within our culture, right? Or not necessarily even within ours. Can we credit black women with I, I think a, a lot of different cultures, but I think the yeah. problem with a lot of those, you know, the problem with appropriation is that people don't want to just give people credit. Credit, okay. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that if you give credit, I mean, no, I don't want to see some white girl with her edges laid. That's weird. But I feel like, <laughs> I think that there's room, there's room for for error there, for sure, but yeah, it's a hard one. Okay, last one. The Jacques Mousse Mini Chiquito. Oh, reply. I have one. <laughs> what do you put in it? Nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. It's a bag. Do you know that's bag? exactly it's what like my husband small. said. He's like, what, what is the point? Maybe this thing. There is no point. I don't it's understand. Like, it is cute. Yeah. Like a lipstick? Yeah, Maybe. no, I mean a chapstick. Not even, <laughs> not even a lipstick. Yeah, it <laughs> literally was a, a chapstick and my house keys. <laughs> and then my keys kind of slipped out, and so I left them at home. I mean, my husband was at home anyway. I was like, you're going to let me in the house. I don't really <laughs> care. Like, it's fine. Okay, so our next segment, and guys, I'm going to be candid. This is the first time ever we're doing this segment. Okay. It's called IGIRL, so Instagram in real life. Uh -huh. So I'm going to show you an Instagram picture. Okay. And then I want you to give me like my Instagram is not curated, so this may be bad. It's okay. so it, I no, no, no. Um, I'm gonna show you. I'm sorry for the people in the back. I'll describe it for you. Okay. Um, and then you tell me what comes to mind, or if there's like a, a fun anecdote behind it. Okay. So this is the first one. Oh, this is a good one. So it's a woman with a hat in church. Um, I mean, I grew up in church. My dad is a pastor, and so um. I just have an affinity for the way that church mothers dress. And mm. so um, I really wanted to do, they like pitched all these weird stories about Easter Sunday. Um, oh, when I, was I would love to hear some of those. Working <laughs> at the cut. And I was like, no, actually, I think this one would be cool. Um, and my husband actually shot that. We had to go to three different churches. It was a crazy day. Um, but the shoot turned out really good and I'm, I'm really happy about it. I haven't seen that shoot in a while. Good job. Yeah, I, I pulled that one out. <laughs> um, this picture, so you're with... Um, oh, this is from Generation Next. This Me, Anna, Ricky Thompson, mm -hmm. Selby okay. from Snapchat, and Emma Chamberlain. What's my antidote? Um, yeah. When I think of that picture, I'm just really proud. I think um, our Generation Next event we basically had during September um, to put on five different designers that we found. Um, and I think it was just a really big deal to me because I think that a lot of people 
really need help in the pipeline of trying to get into fashion. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the designers that we met really felt like, you know, most of the people, if you want to be a designer, you basically need to be in business almost a decade to be able to qualify for CFDA and all these other things. And I felt like, you know, I'm doing this job to really help people. And if I can help get them on a better platform and give them advice on styling and price points and who you should have to do your PR and all that, um, then I'm doing halfway of a good job. And so that was a really happy moment for me. And Anna came and gave them a lot of advice and feedback, um, which doesn't happen often. So yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Um, OK, this one's making me <laughs> chuckle. Me eating pasta. <laughs> With the face mask on. With, with a face mask on. I mean, this is just me over it in Milan. Like, that's really all that <laughs> that is. That's not, yeah. I was just, I was tired. I was probably emailing Asia, like, get me out of here. It's <laughs> done. Oh, let's do this one. <coughs> I'm going to do one more. Oh, that's my it's hubby. So Hi, cute. Bubby. So cute. That's at uh, our friend's wedding, Joshua Kissy. He got married this summer. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's his best friend. So that was at his wedding. So cute. I think that's enough of IG in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So we're just going to hop into this. Okay. So um, we know that you're fresh back from Paris for Women's Fashion Week. And, you know, overall in this past fashion month, what were some of the trends you were seeing on the runways that you were loving or even in street style? Um, I mean, I think I was really proud to see um, our street style, like I'm not even trying to toot my own horn, but um, Daryl, our street style photographer, is one of the few black street style photographers that's there. Um, and he does a really incredible job of shooting all different kinds of people. Um, I see it so many times at shows where they'll be really amazingly dressed people of color or you know women who aren't sample size and street style photographers just like look the other way. Mm -hmm. um, and, I th and I'm really happy that Daryl makes it a point to go search um, and to photograph any, you know, any kind of person that is stylish. Um, but um, I'm not sure about trends. I mean, I think that what I talked, what Anna and I talked about today, when we were talking about the shows, I felt like there were some really good shows and then it was like, oh, this is really boring. It wasn't, there wasn't really like a gap in between it. There were some really stunning, like, like you almost kind of want to cry shows. And then there were shows that I was like, oh, this is just a white shirt. I don't need to be here. Um, <laughs> so it's a weird, it was a weird gap because it was really like excellent or terrible yeah. season. Yeah. Okay, I have a question about the covers because like they're back to back to back yeah. to back fire. Fire. Like oh, thank fire you. flame emoji. Thank you. Um, you know, the Coco cover, I was just like, oh my God, like, I don't know why it made me feel some type of way, She's but like I was the like, sweetest little baby. And also yeah. like this beautiful, like, yeah, anyways. And then you, you know, the most recent one is of Beanie Fieldston. Do you ever feel like some sort of pressure to like outdo yourself? Like, you know, it's like being an artist having to put out multiple hot singles. Yeah, all the time. Um, if you came to my weekly therapy sessions, my therapist always tells me I'm too hard on myself. Um, mm, but I think for it's therapy. a good... Yeah, therapy's <laughs> great. Um, I mean, in healthy doses, I feel like I deal with it. Um, but I take, I take the responsibility really seriously, and so I think that's where it comes from. I think a lot of people... Um, I think a good example is like our Young Hollywood lineup. A lot of people 
when they're like, oh, we're gonna do a lineup or portfolio of different people, they just go out to like the top PR people and are like, who should we put in this um, as like a favor to the PR people or you know to just, like be aligned with like big names. And for me, it was like, no, I really want to put in people that we really care about, that I'm really passionate about, and that I know really need this. Um, and like. Jarell Drum hadn't even been on the cover until we put him on the cover. And that's wild to me because Moonlight was the shit. And then it was like, I had seen, I, I had saw when they see us earlier than everybody else, obviously. But um, it was just kind of weird to me that even when that came out, like more people weren't jumping on him and more yeah. people weren't like excited about him and how incredible of an actor he is. Um, and a lot of those things, that's really why I take it so seriously and I am so hard on myself because I know how big of a deal that is to him mm -hmm. and to his career path and to be able to say that he was on the cover and then, you know, winning an Emmy and all of that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's hard, but um, it's it's hard in a good way, if yeah. that makes sense, yeah. Like it's a big responsibility, but you understand the impact yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I feel like you're doing like an incredible job, but does it ever feel like I don't know, even at work on my day to day, like I'm like, shit, I wanna speak up about this, but that could hinder X or Y. Do you ever go through that um, internal debate? Yes and no. I think that um, now in my old age, I'm gonna be 29 in two weeks. Girl. Uh, Very young. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really, really old. Like it's kinda, I fashion ages you. Yeah. I feel like all this stuff that I've been through, I'm like, I wouldn't write a memoir right now because I do think that I'm too young to, but I could of all the things that have happened. Um, but I think that um, I've just gotten to the point where I know that I have to do what I have to do for myself and that it's bigger, but that it's also bigger than me. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it's hard because a lot of times what you guys see um, people post about on Instagram or people say um, there's so much going on behind the scenes that you have no idea how hard it is. You have no idea the conversations and you have no idea how fake people are mm -hmm. and say shit on Instagram but then don't actually want to do that when it comes down to it. And so I do get tired of being that person, absolutely. Um, I don't. I don't love being the only person a lot of times that will go all the way with speaking up. Um, but I also very much feel like um, this job isn't, it's, it's what I do and I'm, and I'm really excited about it, but it's not who I am. Um, and I think that for me, it's always like, if I can't do all these things, if I can't speak up, if I can't make the work that I wanna make, that's, then I don't need it. And I will go back to waitressing and doing all the other things that I had to do when I first moved to New York because I don't come from a wealthy family and I had to bust my butt. Um, and so I'm always just like, it's great and I love it, but also like I'm, I'm doing this for reasons that are not superficial. So I'm not, it, it's just harder. And, and when you don't, when you are scared to speak up, I think it makes it even harder. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I don't think it always has helped. Um, so yeah, that was a long answer, but yeah. No, it's true. No, yeah. It makes me think a lot of just about the importance of integrity and yeah, being but honest. It, but and it's scary. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I say things now that honestly it took me a while to get to. Um, and I've had this conversation a few years ago. I had like a bunch of black girls just like come to my apartment and I don't even remember what happened. 
for me to do this. I literally was just like, hey, come to my house. Like, didn't know <laughs> these people. This was, seems like a weird idea now. But um, <laughs> I like, literally was just like, hey, come safe? to my apartment. Let's all talk <laughs> right. about being black in fashion. Let's just do this. Um, and I remember a specific discussion. One of my, one of my good friends um, that I interned with, she was talking about how, you know, how when she had been approached about things and how when she had dealt with things, she was always just very quick to shut people down. Um, and I think that a lot of times I tried not to judge people in that because I think it takes growth, it takes time. I'm not in a situation where I'm like going off every day, no, but I do feel like, yeah, when I was, so when I was an assistant, um, I had a lot of really uncomfortable conversations of being called the N-word and asking if my parents were slaves and like weird shit. Girl. <laughs> but now when I see those people, obviously I'm like, I'm not with the shits, go away from me. But I think what? it's also cause just cause I'm older and I'm not, it's not even the job, it's just more so that I think I'm more equipped with the language of being confident in myself and just being mm -hmm. like, I don't actually like need your approval or to explain to you why. Um, so I, th I think it's just, everybody's journey is just different in that. Yeah. yeah. I, sorry, has that always been a part of your personality or a part of you, or did it come with the title of, I mean, let's face it, you're editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. Yeah, but titles are titles. I think it, honestly, it was with time. Okay. It was with time. Um, you just grow out of some things, and I happen to grow out of the bullshit. Mm. Oh, I like that. <laughs> Wait, so can you touch on a little bit more about your journey? I think I read that you graduated college at 17. Is that? No. no. Oh, <laughs> okay. Glenn was on WikiLeaks. I saw that somewhere. And I was like, no, I you went, were like, to, no, a I went to school prodigy? early. That's what, yeah. I went to school okay, early. Yes, okay, okay, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, no, I went to school early. I did not graduate from school. No. <laughs> and you're from Wisconsin? Yes, I am. Yeah. Yes, Midwest, all the way. Yeah. yeah. I love uh, black folks from the Midwest. <laughs> um, and you came here as an intern? Yeah, I started um, I started interning at Teen Vogue when I was 17. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, with that, that fashion yes. college. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I did that for a few years um, and interned at a bunch of different places throughout college. Um, and then it was my first job out of college as well. Yeah, so that's why. Yeah. yeah. And when did you start to realize that you could use fashion as a vehicle to have these larger conversations? Mm -hmm about culture? I mean, they're so inextricably linked. Um. Yeah, um, I think, so when I was at Teen Vogue, I was strictly just fashion, that was all I was doing. And then um, I remember just feeling like this cannot be it for me. And I also um, was only getting paid $7 an hour. And so I was working three jobs at the time and I just felt like I was like working my ass off like, why am I doing this just to like check in clothes? Like, this is not the equivalent. Um, so then I left and went to style.com, which is now vogue.com. Um, and um, that was where I was able to write a little bit more, um, be more involved in shows and behind the scenes things. And um, I've always been really blessed to have really amazing bosses. Um, mm -hmm. I've never had a, I've never had a black boss, but I've always had a really amazing bosses who have been, um, who just seen something more in me and given me the opportunity. And so at the time I was working for Rachel Wang um, and she was like, I just think you're ready. I don't think you need to be doing this anymore. And she had heard about the job at The Cut in New York Magazine. And 
I gave it like six months. Like when I first started, I was very just like whatever they wanted me to do, I just did. And then I came to them. I remember it was in January and it was freezing out and nobody was gonna come in. And they happened to come in and I made this whole presentation. I was like, I wanna do stuff about size inclusivity and diversity and da da da. And they were like, okay, like you still <laughs> do the other things that we <laughs> hired you to do, but you can also do this. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's when I was able to actually like have a platform to that I felt like comfortable enough to, to write in. Yeah. yeah. And you touched on not having a black boss, but now you are a boss. And I know you've been yeah. very like, uh, deliberate about bringing on black women and women of color. Mm -hmm. um, so tell, tell us about like what it's like to be a leader in that space and yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a lot harder than I thought, I will tell you that. Um, I think that, I mean, it's a lot of different things. Um, I'm the only black executive we have and I'm not that old. So I do feel like I get, um, looped into a lot of things that are really, um, that could really change people's lives. And I take that really seriously. Um, but I don't think, for me, it's like very, it's very easy to talk about hiring people of color. And I think that it's, it's a really telling thing when you see a woman of color in a job and they haven't hired other women of color. Mm. Um, and so that was like a non-negotiable for me and, um, and also, like, in, and not in a way of, like, hiring them to be, like, oh, I want to be in competition with this person and whatever. Like, hiring them because you actually really want to help people and, like, put them on, um, yeah. which which I don't see too often. No, I know. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm a writer of in the sort of literary space, and there's always these conversations. Like, there can't be more than one of us. Like, if a black girl had a, a memoir that season, like, nobody else is going to write a memoir <laughs> that year. You can't do it. There's only room for one. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, with such limited roles uh, and within fashion, same type of competition and the way it breeds that between us as black women is like so unfortunate. Yeah, it's sick, it yeah. really is. It's it's really unfortunate because it's still so prevalent and you would, I mean, it's so stupid, but it really is this like crabs in a bucket, like I cannot help you put you on because that will dim my shine. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And it's, it's not no choice of our own really. I mean, it is, but I mean, it's by design of the. It's conditional, but now I'm like, we're too system. old for this. Like, yeah. get over it. And we're smart, smarter than that. Yes. Um, but I actually got into like a little Instagram debate, and Glenn knows mm. with this woman who basically posted, like, uh, you know, stop, stop, stop reaching out to me and asking me for help. Like, I have my own shit going on, which is understandable. Um, you literally said that? Yes. Yeah. She was like, don't hit me up um, and ask me to pick my brain. <laughs> Yeah, she said, "Stop asking me yeah. to pick my brain." It's not funny. It's and no, it's like crazy. my, so I, I felt compelled to reach out to this woman that I don't know, and like, I was Stop. like, I was like, with all due respect, like you're in a place that a lot of women aspire to be, and you're like super inspirational and aspirational, and some of us don't have that network. Like I can't call on my aunt or my mother to help me get this job. So, mentorship is extremely important for Black women. Let's focus, yeah, for black women. And so someone at some point turned around and reached out an arm to you. So Had it is have. your duty to do that yeah. as well. So what advice do you have for you know, women who are looking for mentors and how can you reach out to someone who is in a place that you hope to one day be in? I mean, I think it's hard because I think the best mentorships are organic and it's honestly, 
it's hard because I think it also has to be a two-way street. It can't just yeah. be somebody constantly asking you mm-hmm. for shit because then it does feel like uh, what like it does feel a little taxing, um, mm-hmm. which may not be the right word, but I think the um, I don't think there's anything wrong with reaching out to people. I just think you also have to take into consideration how many other people they may already be mentoring. Mm-hmm. And I think also people tend to reach out to the same people because they're like, oh, they have a following, whatever. Um, a lot of the people that have helped me have been laterally on my same level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I mean, I have had really great bosses who've also been a great help, but I think that it's hard. I've never, I've never gotten help from a black woman by like reaching out to her. Like that never worked for me. Really? They never, they never wanted to help me, which is fine. I was. It's worked for me. I was really, <laughs> I went through this really hardcore phase of being upset about it. I cried about it for years. Yeah. I like wanted to work at a black publication so badly. They would never hire me. I went for interviews all the time. They were like, no, no, no. Mm. Um, so I've been there. I just think that I, I don't know. It's hard. Cause yeah. I think that it is the responsibility and duty, but you also kind of don't know the backstory a lot of times. Um, but I also think just a, a response or like a coffee is not a terrible thing. Right. right. And I would advise like to also come with your research. Like don't just come up to someone like, how can you help me? But again, some of us are not taught that yeah. etiquette and I feel like we have to be understanding of that, you know? Um, but speaking of mentors, I know you talk about your mom and your grandma a lot. What advice have they imparted on you that you take with you day to day, everywhere you go? Um, I don't like to talk about my grandmother. Um, okay, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I just start crying. Um, my grandmother was my best friend growing up, um, and um, we were just always really close. Um, and so I think that... Um, her resilience was always something that I really admired. Um, she was a single mom of five kids. She busted her ass, um, but she was the best dressed person I'd ever seen. Um, and she was the person that actually taught me how to sew and crochet and knit. She would take me to um, this black senior citizen center for the senior citizen center for black women, um, and I would just sit with them all day and make rugs and sweaters and hats. (laughs) Um, And um, that was a lot of my childhood. And I I really always cherish that because she worked in a steel factory by day, but she really had this amazing um, sense of style that I really liked. But just her personality was just so much more bold than mine. um, And I always really admired that. And I think that my mother um, is, She's the best mom, she really is. Um, But I think she also, when I came into fashion, was very worried about me um, because, as she puts, I'm just a nice person. (laughs) And, um, you know, you can easily get run over in the industry and people can have all these really crazy intentions. Um, And when I started to really like fashion and like, I was like, I, I was the girl that like loved to watch the Sex and the City and the Hills and all of that. And oh she was very much just like, what are you gonna do though? Like, what are, you, what are you gonna do? Like, these are all these things. These are all white women who are skinny and have nothing to do with your life. Like, what are you gonna do? Um, and she was really the person that pushed me to think about my own place in it. So, yeah. Yeah. And look beautiful. how that paid off. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
Wait, just I want to circle back really quick because I had the same sort of relationship with my grandmother. Always loved her style. When she passed, I got like a giant Ziploc bag full of clip-on earrings and all sorts of gold oh baubles and yeah. things. <laughs> Tell us more about her style. Like, if there's one thing you can. Um, I mean, she was just really classic and timeless. Mm -hmm. um, she wore. She. I mean that. She also, that's where I got my affinity for dresses so much. She always was like the full like dresses, gloves, socks, like all the accessories. Um, uh, and I just always loved that. Like I always really admired that because she didn't have money, but she mm -hmm. was decked out. Like it mm -hmm. was, and that, that was, I think, you know, when you're introduced to actual style and someone who can actually put things together from the Goodwill that has no money, I think you're always going to be really enamored by that. Um, but yeah, love it. Yeah, I love that. Um, just moving subjects a bit, can you tell us about Teen Vogue Summit and like what's so special about it this year and what you're most excited about? Ooh, Summit is gonna be lit, y'all. <laughs> um, I'm really excited because um, last year when we did Summit, we were able to have Serena Williams, and that was that was amazing. But I, um, when I started, I basically like had to kind of do Summit already planned, and so. Um, I think a lot of different things have changed. I made sure the price point is more affordable so that um, people of color can actually attend and it's not super crazy expensive. Um, we're gonna do a lot of like rooted in LA moments. Um, mm -hmm. We're working with uh, Lauren Conrad, um, not Lauren Conrad. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> the Lauren, hills, girls. Lauren London uh, <laughs> and Nipsey Hussle's team to do like an actual oh, LA off. moment. Um, oh, wow. I really want to to honor it and it to be something that is really like rooted in the identity of LA and the culture there. Um, but it's a long list of so many people. Um, I'm not even gonna start because it's like a long list of people. But it's yeah. it's a really good lineup. So yeah, this, the conference space seems to really be growing, and it's really dope to offer that opportunity for, especially in, I think in the Teen Vogue Summit for young girls, younger women to come. Yeah, but it's good people. Yeah. I don't want to waste people's time. <laughs> I don't want people just to be like, work hard. Like, that's stupid. I right. want people to actually have something to say. You know, because so. people be having their notebooks ready to take the yeah. notes. Yeah. I'm like, all right, Yeah, you never know hard. whose life you're going to change. Right, so. exactly. Yeah. yeah. OK, so we have a segment called What Would You Do? OK. And oh, am I, you we wanted to ask another one? We haven't sang in so long. Oh, yeah. We okay. always. Do you, do you know the City High? What would you do yeah. if your son was at, at home, home crying all I was like, where are you going with this? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta join us. Right. I, I, my my throat is sore, guys. Sleep with a man for a little bit of <laughs> yes. yes. Okay. So it's our segment where we get like listener letters or emails or texts, and they kind of ask for advice. But especially when we have someone on, we like to hear their perspective. So this one, they said, Dear BGT, I just got a new job that will require me to dress up for the very first time. I bought one, al one outfit that I use on every single one of my interviews. I am by no means a fashion girl, and if it were up to me, I would just wear sweats and sneakers every single day, but I cannot for this new office environment. While the job I was hired for is pretty high paying, I am still paying off a ton of school loans and really don't feel like buying a whole new, a whole new wardrobe. Um, what advice can you offer about revamping my wardrobe on a budget? I mean, I think there's so many options. I don't think that everybody has to wear, I mean, I, w when I was at Teen Vogue, I was always 
um, there was a gap across the street in Times Square, and I would always be in that gap store, I mean, like, is there something on sale that I can buy, that I can wear to work? I've, I didn't come from money, so I've never been like, oh, only the Chanel will do. Like, that's not a real thing. <laughs> um, but I don't think, I mean, I also think there's a lot more options now. Like, I think, like, the Rent the Runaway subscriber stuff is actually really nice. Um, I feel like um, there's a lot of cute stuff on Depop and thrifting. Like, I feel like there's a lot more options now where it doesn't have to just be, like, going to Zara. Um, but I think there's a lot of options. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And I also feel like it, it's interesting what you said about your grandma about, like, when you have style, like, you don't necessarily need to have the brands or the labels. So just try Goodwill. Yeah. I feel like that's an option, too. Hell, yeah. I love some thrifting. Yeah, you do My love day. thrifting. There's a yeah. good, I mean, there's good, it depends on which location, but there are some good Buffalo exchanges, depending on location. Do you have a location suggestion? Yes, but I'm not telling y'all, because I don't want you to go. Oh, I'm kidding. come I'm kidding. on. Come on, You just said you were going to give us the resources, <laughs> girl. <laughs> no, it's the one on Borum Place. It's in Brooklyn. And now they're not going to have no more good stuff, because um, we're going to all be up in there. Because <laughs> it's not like, the Williamsburg one, they, like, everything in there is, like, mad expensive, and you're like, what are these yeah. prices? Right. Um, but that one has, like, actually good stuff um but it's not crazy expensive yeah. yeah awesome wait glenn did you want to ask that other the other oh what was the other one no okay, okay. i thought that's why you gave me a look no no no, no. <laughs> it's interesting doing a live show versus being in a studio because i literally have to like read her mind i know i'm trying to read your mind too though <laughs> <laughs> um so now we want to open it up in everyone if if anyone has like an audience question or something that's on your mind yeah all right friday Hello, Lindsay. My name is Friday. Um, I have a question in regards to that transition that you had to go through, I guess, like mentally and spiritually when you went from just being Lindsay to being editor-in-chief. Like, how did you have to prepare for that? Because it seems like it would make me very anxious. I'd be afraid of just going places and people, everyone knowing who I, am, who I was. So how was that for you? I mean, it's weird, I'll tell you that. Um, but I really tried to remain as normal Lindsay as possible. I don't want to be this weird version of myself. And I think that, um, I don't know, even like, I mean, it's nice, but I don't, I think that my best quality is that I'm smart, but I don't think that highly of myself. I'm like, I, have, I think that I have a lot to bring to the table and I think that I'm really smart, but I'm also not out here like, oh my God, I deserve this, I should be doing this, whatever. I just wanna work hard and make good work and that's that's all that I really care about. And so I think when I'm best when I'm just like tunnel vision focusing on that and not worrying about, yeah, yeah, cause it doesn't really matter. It's not really real a lot of times anyway, yeah. Awesome. Hi Lindsay. Hi. My name is Mame. Um, question how do you feel about or I guess how do you respond to colorism in the fashion industry or in the Ooh, child. journalism editorial <laughs> I was world. just talking about this in the car Ooh. okay uh, how do I answer this um, it's really really unfortunate um, and it's hard to explain to people because I think that a lot of people in the industry um, still think colorism is not a thing yeah which is really wild to me. Um, and 
I think it always puts me in a weird predicament because I am very vocal about those things and I think it's, it, I'm also always a person that wants to explain all of these nuances to people that don't understand it, but I think um, it's honestly only been hard because I think that some people really don't believe that it exists and don't want to hear that it does exist. Um, they're kind of like, oh, we put we put a black girl in here, we did this, like whatever, like don't want to hear it. I really um, can't be friends with someone if they don't believe in colorism. No, yeah, but it's like, I mean, these are my friends, these people I work with. Yeah. It's a very, very big difference. Um, so I think, I mean, it's hard, but it's something that, yeah, I will always fight to the death for. And like, I, I think it's honestly still an early conversation of people actually understanding that colorism is real, which I know sounds crazy, but yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I don't know who watches Basketball Wives, but I'm done after oh this season. Oh my God, I don't wait. get into Basketball Wives. I'm done after this season. The way how they're treating OG, it makes me very uncomfortable. I don't watch Basketball Wives, I'm sorry. Well, I think Girl, there's some colorism happening on the on 100%. This, this season. <laughs> I'm done. 100%. <laughs> don't watch it. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay, my name is Paige. I'm wondering, throughout your entire career, what has been the most challenging thing that you've had to face, and what has been the most rewarding thing? I'll start with the good thing. Um, I think rewarding, honestly, um, hmm. I think it's been really rewarding to prove people wrong. Um, I think that, um, like, Issa's gonna, she's one of our keynotes, Issa Rae is one of our keynotes at the summit, um, and I remember when I was at the cut and I begged them to let me start this column um, and she, Tessa Thompson was actually the first person in it, and then she was like the second or third person. Um, and everybody was like, uh, even though she had already had like a New York Times profile, she, Insecure had already been out. Um, Wait, and she had, Insecure? Yeah, um, it was crazy. It was yeah, just like was people just didn't, I don't know, people really didn't believe that she was as big of a deal as she should be. And yeah. Um, when I shot her, all the brands that I, so basically for this column, I, they let me do the column because I styled, um, and also, uh, would write the text for it. And, um, it was really interesting because when I was styling her in all the clothes, like brands were like, no, we're not loaning to her. She's not on brand. She's not high end enough. She's not our aesthetic. And, I had a friend who worked for um, like a retailer and basically would just like borrow the clothes from the store instead. And because I am that petty, I sent it to all the brands. It was like, <laughs> hey, you didn't loan, but like I still shot her in this look. Um, yes. And you know, here's why you know you should have loaned, and here's how great she looks. Um, and we became really close on that shoot because she was that was the first time that she had been actually like shot in you know like runway um, clothing and she would still talk about like, oh my God, that shoe, like I still love the photos, I, st I still love that aesthetic so much. And I think that um, that's been the rewarding thing to prove people that, not even that I know what I'm talking about, but that they don't know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't take us seriously enough. Um, and I think um, the challenging thing in tandem with that has been to continue on in that fight. I think that um, every day I feel like I'm clawing up a wall every single day. And I think that it's hard because you can't really be as transparent about it as you would like to be because 
people tend to make it seem like they're so woke on Instagram and then in reality aren't. And so it's hard when you really are trying to do the fight and you're fighting people that you thought you wouldn't be fighting with. Yeah. Yeah. While we find the next person, I just wanted to quickly say that um, the other day it was like this big thing all over in Instagram with Kirby from Pierre Moss. And Ooh. your response to it was like particularly. Um, I remember the, the words, word? make no mistake. Right. I was, I like, was like, wow, Ooh. like this woman is, has this huge platform. And, and, and I think it was a, it's a quote from uh, Kirby where he actually said, um, me getting checks isn't going to stop me from checking you. Yeah. And I feel like you exemplified that because you were like, I mean, I'm still in this position, but I'm going to stand strong and, and hold to my truth. So I do appreciate you standing yeah. up for another person in the space. Yeah. And just wanted to call that out because it just popped up in my head. And it's, it's really exemplifying what, you've, what we've been talking about. And like when you're in those seats of power, like stick, stay holding true to you know, what you mm -hmm. said you would do. Sorry. Yeah. Who's next? Oh. Hey, I'm Tyra Searcy from STL, so I love the Midwest up in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask a bit about how did you go about navigating somewhat of a social scene or a personal life, um, especially when you're grinding so hard and you're, you know, you're setting an example from other people and you're welcome into all these spaces? How do you prioritize which ones to enter into? How do you find those spaces? And then how are you going about, like, creating these meaningful relationships moving forward with you being who you are and accomplishing so much? Mm. I mean, not to be a Debbie Downer, but it's really hard to make friends in this position. Um, mm. Like, extremely hard. Um, and it's kind of shocked me, even people that I kind of thought I kn knew well enough have pulled some stuff on me. Shit stuff, sorry. <laughs> Um, on me that I was really, really disappointed in. Um, I think it's hard for me because I just didn't grow up like that. Um, I wasn't raised to be that way towards people. And um, I really try to be the child that my parents raised and um, have some dignity about it. And so I think it's really hard now when people that you've known for a really long time just want favors and, and want to hook up. Um, and it's really, I don't know, it's hard because I can't, um, even like trying to make friends, you're like, I don't introduce myself as like, oh, I'm the editor, like that sounds stupid. Like I just say, I'm Lindsay, hi, what's your name? How are you? Um, and I think it's just hard because people, especially in New York can be so about like, who are you and who do you know and whatever. Um, and I'm just not like that. And so um, the friends that I do have, I've had for a really long time. Um, and the people that are in my inner circle, have, I've honestly known since I was 16 or 17. So, yeah. Sorry, that's like a Debbie Downer <laughs> answer, but yeah. But you would come to Black Girls Texting events and turn to your neighbor and make friends, friends that way. Like this room is, has a bunch of black people, black women, men, that you can be friends with. So just keep coming. <laughs> Anyone else? Hello, Lindsay. My name is Serena. I'm from the UK. Um, uh, thank you for today. Like, it's been amazing. And I feel like there's a 100 questions I could ask you. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, how 
how did you break through the kind of that glass ceiling, um, that glass wall? Like in the sense of, I work in fashion in, in London and I'm normally the only black girl every time in every job that I'm in, in terms of like more of a managerial position. Um, so sometimes it's kind of difficult to see yourself going, getting higher if actually you don't see yourself. Um, so I just wanted to ask, like, how did you, like, what kind of mindset do you have in order to kind of keep climbing the ladder but without feeling despondent from not seeing other women that look like you? Yeah, um, I haven't thought about this in a, this conversation in a while, but um, I remember I had a conversation with Stella, my old boss, um, and one day she just asked me, she was like, who do you look up to? Like, who do you want to be in this industry? And I was like, no one, that's the problem. Um, I think that um, there's people that I've always really respected and admired, but the truth that I know, um, and what, what I know to be true, um, was meant to say, um, is that there really isn't someone as unapologetic as I am about it, and I think that that's really hard because I don't, um, I always like obviously, you know, adored everything Andre Leon Talley did, but he never helped any black people. And that, that's a really hard thing to sit with um, and to feel because you know um, that, you know, when you're in that kind of position, the kind of changes that he could have made could have changed people's lives. Um, could have made a lot of things differently. And I think that, um, I don't know, it's hard, but I do feel like that also kind of oddly motivates me because there isn't that person there that I'm like, I mean, yeah, it's like everybody wants to be like Oprah or something like that, but it's like, there's not like a direct person that I'm like, I wanna be that person. Um, so it's an odd, honestly odd motivating factor. Hi, Lindsay. My name Hi. is Janaya. Um, I have two quick questions. Um, do you have any favorite black designers that are out now that interest you? Oh, a you? ton. Can you name like five? Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, get ready. Um, Hanifa that we just had yes, in our generation. I love Hanifa. It's incredible. Oh, Everyone should buy Hanifa yes, Sos. Yes. Um, also, Tia, who lives here, her, she was in our generation next. Slash by Tia is her brand name. Okay. And she's great. Um, who else? Um, I mean, obviously Kirby is that a cop out, but Kirby's clothes are really good. Um, I like um, what's her name? It's blanking on me. Hold on. Hold on. It's gonna come. I need to look look at my phone actually. <laughs> it was you. Let can me look go at back. Your phone. In the meantime, okay. while you look in your phone, I want you guys to introduce yourselves to the people sitting next to you. Let's make this a community Ooh, this is you guys aren't well. talking. You can look at your phone. Oh, you don't have your phone? Can you pass me my phone? Sorry. I have it. Get each other's Instagrams. A little mix and mingle. It's like Noel. I know. Be Noel? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, Noel. Yeah, and then 
H&M collection. Why am I blanking on that? Yeah. Yeah. Tony's dead. I can't help Shade, if you're listening, you're going to cut this part out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's literally me. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, oh. um, but by the way, that's the point of this, people, to like meet more people. You know? Honestly, so. the sound, I wanted to use the word cacophony. Just to like, okay, writer. The cacophony of all of your voices as you all like mingled was so beautiful. It was. Chelsea and I were just sitting here cheesing at each <laughs> other. That is the point. Yes. <laughs> okay. Fee Noel is her name. Say it again. Yes. F-E-N-O-E-L. The line, her, her line is beautiful. She was part of the H&M capsule that was out a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has really like beautiful clothing on her own. That's another okay. person. Sorry, that took way too long. No, no, no. It's all good. I just had to look because then I got obsessed with it. And I want to shout out Friday because she dressed us to yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <she's>, okay. <laughs> what's what's your Instagram? Oh, look at us. FBF. Okay. Yep. All metal handworking. Yes. Clothing. We went to um, yeah. I was gonna oh, say is your skirt your design? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we have time for like one. Oh, or and two Chanel more. is my last. Sorry, oh, two one oh. five. Chanel oh. with an S. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. She's incredible. I also wanted to shout out Christopher John Rogers, right? Who you? Oh, obviously. Wrote but about that's my friend, so I didn't want to say that. Um, <laughs> CJR is incredible. Yeah. So amazing. One last uh, question. Um, yeah. What advice would you give to any upcoming black designers? Um. Well, I mean, speaking of Christopher John Rogers, we've had this conversation a lot. Um, I think it's really connecting with so many important people in the industry that are really trying to help um, and that don't like, you know, puff up your head and then not really actually give you funding or access some connections. Um, I think Brandis does an incredible job um, that want, runs Harlem Fashion Row and she is in so many conversations with big brands. Um, you know, she's given a lot of like designers like a you know a design job at Target, which like obviously like you don't you want to do your own thing, but that Target job pays really well. Um, she's just a really really amazing force in the industry. I love her dearly. Um, who else? Um, Fashion for All Foundation. Um, Hana, she does an incredible job of like introducing young black creatives and taking them to actual houses. So she took a bunch of. Um, like high schoolers um, from Crown Heights and took them actually to Italy and they all went to the Gucci um, hub and actually saw how things were made there. Um, and she so like actually makes strides to expose young black creatives um, to how things are made. Um, who else? I can come up with a list, honestly. It's a lot of people that I really, that I, that I know for a fact are doing really amazing things to try to help you know connect that gap and make the pipeline better. Um, but I think also it boils down to a lot of the brands that are like supporting the younger talent. Um, I mean, there's so few 
really successful black designers. So when they are supportive, like I want to support them. So yeah. Thank I think one more. Okay. One more, and I know you're jet lagged, so. Okay. Hi, I'm Savannah. I'm Hi. from Virginia. Um, I was just wondering what qualities you would say someone needs to work for or intern at a place like Teen Vogue. Asia can probably answer that better than me. <laughs> oh, should we pass the mic to Asia? Yeah, yeah pass the mic, the mic to Asia. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Asia. <laughs> She said, what qualities do I like in people that work for me? Uh, well, Lindsay likes somebody who works hard. Um, yeah, work hard, like no BS type of person. Just does the work and does the work for like the right reasons. And is not just trying to, I don't know, just be places and be doing stuff for clout. That was a good answer, Asia. Good job. I try. I, try. I learn a lot from Lindsay. Oh. <laughs> Um, well, thank you. On behalf of everyone in this room, and especially Glenn and I, and I'll speak for Sade because she's tight that she's, she's not here. blowing up the group chat, um, apparently. Thank you so much for taking your time. I know you just jumped off the jumbo jet, as Glenn likes to say. <laughs> um, and we really appreciate it. Um, you all can find this recorded podcast. It'll be up on Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. So... Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Of course. Is there anything before we go that you would like to like plug or tell tell people to look out for? Or I mean, you ain't gotta yeah, plug I, I nothing. I do not want to plug myself. <laughs> Thank you so much, though. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, everyone that came here. I'm dead serious. Talk to the people around you. Like, come on. Thank you. We appreciate it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>